Good afternoon. Oh, here we are. Start streaming as well. Phil, very clever. Uh, yeah. Good afternoon, Top Badminton fans. We're here today with Mr. Phil Sutton, who is down south in Englandshire. <laughs> Although he's um, he's originally a Welshman, um, we're going to go over and say hello to Phil Sutton. Say hello. How are you? Good afternoon, everybody. It's uh, nice to see you. How you? Uh, let's get the important stuff out of the way first. How did? Let's get the important things out of the way first, please. Okay. Um, how was your golf yesterday? Golf, uh, quite cold. I played really well, actually. Not Did too bad. Um, you know, getting a lot of practicing at the moment. I got, through, I got a tournament in uh, three weeks' time. So, uh, start the sort of qualifying process for, to try and play for Wales again, you know. Oh, really? So, so practicing really hard at the moment. What do you play off then? So, Are you a scratch uh, golfer then? Wow. That's hardcore. <laughs> that is hardcore scratch golf. So, yeah, wow. You have to play a lot to be good at golf, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not somebody over practices, but from my point of view, I've had quite serious back um, problems. Have so you? With me, it's keeping fit. You know, I have to get fit to play golf. Yes. I don't use golf to 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 get fit. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I still do quite a lot of physical training and, and weights training and band yeah. training, etc. It's quite important. I mean, you see all these golfers. You think it's. I mean, there's obviously some exceptions, but that they really work out, right? They really do some. The core exercise is incredible, right? Upper body and, and sort of leg work. Yeah, 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 and torso. Your torso and sort of your core work. You've got to do a lot, a lot, a lot of core work. So, and, so as a scratch golfer, how many times a week will you play? Well, I live uh, literally a minute and a half from the golf course. So, do you? Oh, uh, how good is that? So, are you one of those guys that are you one of those guys that's walk with that walks with your trolley? Uh, yeah, I can walk around. I carry my a little pencil bag around. No, 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 but but I'm talking about to the golf. Ah, uh, no, no, no. I, I you take the car. Yeah, yeah, I go for it. Well, I'm at about 200 feet above sea level, right. and the club is at 800 feet above sea level. So, got to drive all the way around up the hill to the top, and then we start from there. What golf club is it? Dunstable Downs. Nice, right? Okay, and that's a it's a tough one, is it? Yeah, we overlook the uh, London Gliding Club. Really? So it gives you an idea where we are situated, right on top of the Chilterns. Really wow! And have you lived there a long time? Uh, since 1983. Wow. Same house? Same house. Wow. Creature of comfort. A creature of comfort. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. Don't, don't, don't change much. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's quite right too. But let's go. Oh, I've lost, a, lost my screen now. Let's go on with some questions, shall we? Okay. Let's get on with the old questions. That's uh, good fun. So, full, your full name? Uh, Philip Colin Sutton. And where does that Colin come from, Philip? Colin comes from my grandfather, Colin Sutton, who's uh, he's passed away now, but uh, up in Staffordshire. My great-grandfather, actually. And is that where your family hails from originally, then, is it? Uh, my father's side, yeah. Uh, Cheadle in Staffordshire. Yeah, nice. It's um, And you're, you're a Welshman, though, is that right? I'm uh, born and bred in Ebervale. Uh, oh, yeah. Lived in Ebervale, uh, born there at the Rookery, and uh, lived at Hilltop. Uh, I'll give you an idea how high that is. It's 1,200 feet above sea level. Wow. And um, so, uh, yeah, wherever I went there in Ebervale, it, you know, you're either going up or down. It was never flat. <laughs> and how was it, that, what was Badminton community like? How did you get into Badminton in that area? Uh, literally pure accident um, really? I was at school Glincoid school and um, I used to go to youth club uh, we had a fantastic physics teacher Ivor Lewis who used who to, used to run a model, model making uh, session at youth club and uh, he was brilliant you know love going to it making models ships planes stuff like that with balsa wood yeah. and uh, I was going past the hall one day and I saw you know some people you know play in badminton mm -hmm. But with cork bats. With what? With cork, cork bats. Right. And um, I thought, oh, I thought that looks a bit good fun. I like everything being used. But <laughs> I was only 
12 at the time and um, I thought well give, go and give that a go <laughs> and so went in and um, one of the teachers who was there at the time uh, I'll come back to him in a moment yeah. he uh, you know he stepped me up he said all right there you are there's your bat cork bat but with uh, what's a, sorry what's a what's a cork bat a cork no, no strings no nothing no way. just a cork really yeah 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 and um, basically it was uh, half court you know, uh, you played half court, and um, I, I just had a go. And the, and the teacher was a person called Alan Tuggay. He was my maths teacher and uh, engineering drawing teacher, or technical drawing, yeah, would yeah. probably call him. Yeah. And um, you know, I sort of went a couple of times and had a go with these cork backs. And he said, "Oh, actually," he said, "You seem to have a little eye for it." You know, when I was <laughs> let's there. try a racket with string in it instead. <laughs> Yeah, there was no strings there, and I hadn't even nailed the proper bowman racket at this point. Really? And he said, "You seem to have a bit of a knack for it. Uh, why we run a badminton uh, club for the better players um, after school? Yes. Uh, little, little did I know that the better badminton players were quite good. Really? And um, and that was my introduction to badminton. What age were you then? I, I was twelve. That was you getting into it. That's wow. Uh, yeah, so pure accident, really. What was that name again? The chap that got you into it, Alan. Alan Tuggy. How do you spell that? Tug. What's that? T T A T U G. Right. T U D G A Y. Tuggy. Tuggy. Wow. And he was a. He was a. Did he was a maths teacher? He was my maths and and technical drawing teacher. Little did I know at that particular time. He was the Gwent School's uh, badminton coach, really? and also the Welsh. He was also involved in the Welsh School's coaching system, so he obviously knew what he was doing and what he was looking for. And um, he then on then became my coach for the next five years. Really? And did he? Yeah. How big? How big was badminton in the area? And also, was it a town? Was it a, a village? What? Uh, can you imagine it in the valleys? Uh, it's a, very much a mining mining community, two big collieries, and we also had the biggest uh, steel making um, steelworks in Europe at the time really? as well. And so it was predominantly a mining and steelworks town. Ebervale was, and uh, if I was to say that we were probably one of the best rugby teams as well, club teams, which was the Steelman, which is Ebervale. Rugby club, so you can imagine badminton wasn't really that popular. No, I was going to say <laughs> quite a unique, quite. A, and so there wasn't. Did you have peers that you went that were the same as you that were in maths with you that started going with you? Was it a friends thing? Was it just yeah. you? What? No, no, it was just me. Was and uh, uh, basically, uh, it was. Uh, I was playing. To tell you the truth, it wasn't the sport I was play My my main sport that particular time was golf i used to be a member at uh, westmont golf club which is the highest golf club in great britain really? uh, which is 1600 feet above sea level Whoa. it's it's right on top it's right on top of the mountain so i was playing golf at the time uh, as a junior there and um so that was my main sport but to get to get up there to you know yeah. run up there wherever wherever you went yeah. it was always up a mountain somewhere and how did you get, how did you get into golf phil as well uh, basically, um, we, when running, really, we cross country with the school. Right. I mean, I mean, you either played rugby, um, you cricket, or you did a lot of running. I mean, luckily, um, I, I used to love cross country, yeah, and while too. we were doing cross cross country sessions, come across, I realised there was a golf course on top of this mountain. Really, <laughs> and um, and sort of uh, sneaked up there in the summer. I only had one club Did you? and sort of uh, snuck on and, you know, hit a few balls. <laughs> and um, so a few of the members saw me up there a few times and one of the members said, all right, here's another club you can have. So I think I had a three <laughs> iron to start with. And then, then one of the other members gave me something like a, a pitching wedge and said, right, oh, there you are. And then another one gave me a putter. And this sort of went from there. Before, really. you, before you know, you've gifted yourself a full bag. But unfortunately, you have to stop paying to be a member. 
Yeah, that was the issue. Yeah, that was one of the main problems. <laughs> and what about family? Did you have brothers or sisters or anything? Uh, three sisters. Really? Any of them into uh, sport, sisters. golf? Was there any influence uh, in that? No, no, no. Really? All, all younger than myself. Really? And um, uh, but basically, uh, what happened is when I did get into the badminton, I, I, I saw I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, when you talked about, you know, coming on you. And I thought, well, actually, my sisters were the first proper hand feeders of of a shuttle, really, to me, because um, I was either playing against the wall, you know, because I got really keen, and all my sisters used to get the shuttle and throw the shuttles up in the air so I could smash them really? uh, against the wall. And so I was thinking about it, I was thinking, actually, you know, that was technically hand feeding, yeah. wasn't it? It was a, they were... We were doing that when I in nineteen seventy two. She was what they were, they were throwing plastic shuttles at you, though, right? Yeah, uh, but they no, no. My, my sisters were really not into sport. No, 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 no. Uh, nobody, no. nobody, 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 nobody in my family. Your mum or dad are not into sport either. It was just literally just you and. Um, well, uh, my dad died when I was very, very, very young. Um. I was only four years of age wow, right. uh, when he died. Um, he was. Um, uh, we were in. We were living at RAF St Athens, yeah. and he got killed on a motorbike. Oh, wow. So, uh, so um, life was. Yeah, it difficult. was a bit difficult. Yeah. My mum, my mum never remarried, and her focus was really just bringing us That's up. That's nice. Really, yeah. For her. Good on. Yeah, good honour, so right? Good honour. And, and and did she ferry you about and stuff like that with the badminton when you're going? Uh, well, it was impossible. Uh, my mum didn't drive. Didn't she? Um, or, oh. no. So really, um, this is where the story really begins mm. with the badminton and how difficult it was yeah. because whilst I developed a passion to play badminton, um, so I joined the school badminton team and obviously Alan Tudgate was the coach. Yeah. Um, I was then invited to Eugene Cross, which is down uh, at the cricket school. Uh, down uh, right next to the rugby club, right. and the cricket school combined into a you know uh, changed into a badminton, two badminton courts in it. So you pulled all the cricket nets back, and then you had two badminton courts. So uh, the cricket, you know, when the cricket is finished, yeah. you had the badminton. And where did you play before so that? You were in school before that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I go to school. Then uh, I, I, you know, I was allowed to play before seven o'clock. We're not allowed to play after seven o'clock because <laughs> obviously the, the seniors members would turn up uh, in the club. We were better, yes. and uh, but Alan would uh, Alan Tuggy would turn up a bit early and and have a game with me and give me a bit of coaching and uh, and that's where my love affair began. So, what really. age was that um, then? What age when you got to that um, the Eugene Cross place? What age did you start there? Uh, 13, 13, 14, Yeah, you're kind of great. You're getting there. You're getting stronger, I guess. All that kind of stuff. You must have been getting close to um, the standard to get to get there. We have to feel, if, maybe still only a year into it, I suppose, weren't you really? Yeah, I mean, by fifteen, uh, I was I was pretty well accepted in, in into the club, and uh, the members sort of accepted me. You know, joining with the senior members, I couldn't really afford to, to tell the truth. Join the club, yeah. um, and the members could see the, the potential and the commitment I had, and yes. uh, they chipped together and paid for my membership. Really, really. how great is that? Um, yeah, and so. I used to literally go straight from school and, uh, you know, go down here afterwards and, find, you know, badger anybody to come down early and have a knock before, you know, we could have a game of singles because predominantly from seven o'clock it was doubles or mixed. Yes. Uh, so it was predominantly get down early if you wanted a game of singles and, uh, you know, and after that learn your trade at doubles and mixed then. But you're, you're, you know? it's amazing your energy, isn't it? I mean, playing singles now, I don't know if you've played it, but... You know, I play an hour of singles. I spoke a, a couple of weeks ago. You know, I, I run a club in Edinburgh and I, I started a club six till seven playing singles. And then the, then the proper club, <laughs> seven till ten or something, by, a, by about seven o'clock, I was absolutely exhausted. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard work, singles. And then you think what you did back then, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I had a lot of, I, I used to do a lot of running. I mean, uh, I mean, running was really, one thing of the things I did love because it was I had total control. Um, 
And I suppose what happened then is that by the time I got to 15, I was doing quite well at junior level at that age group. Right. Um, I caught on very, very, very quickly. And, um, you know, started winning sort of county junior events and then uh, won my first national under-18 title at 15. How amazing is that? Uh, Under-18 title at 15. That's amazing. Yeah. And men's doubles uh, with a, a young boy called Simon Jones, left-hander. Um, but uh, what happened then was obviously, like everything, uh, it started taking over my life a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, it was a choice then, do, do I stick with badminton? Do I play golf? Um, and I chose. I decided to choose the badminton side of things. Loved it. And, and was uh, that a career then? Was that a career choice when you're at school and stuff? When somebody would say to you, "What do you want to do when you finish school?" What would you say? Well, the steelworks was closing down, and all the mines were starting to close down. Yes. So there was huge unemployment uh, during that period, and so. I was starting to think, uh, you know, what am I actually going to do? You know, um, you know, what am I actually going to do uh, at the end of all this? Because there was just no jobs. Yes. I mean, it was devastated, the Valleys was, uh, or certainly Ebervale was, because, you know, there used to be 10,000 blokes working in the steelworks. Yeah. And the mines, it must have been, you know, a thousand at least uh, blokes working in the different mines we had around us, yeah. Prince of Wales Colliery and the Marine Collieries. And so, uh, and then they're all closing. So you had um, a lot, lot of unemployment. So how do you, when you have that conversation with your mum, say, and she says, okay, Phil, what are you, you going to do when you finish school? And you would say, mum, I, I don't know what I want to do. I just love badminton. So is that, <laughs> how did that conversation go? Uh, and did she say, don't be so bloody, don't be so bloody stupid, Phil? <laughs> it didn't really quite go that way, actually. It was... It was literally, um, I was going to school and I was getting, uh, I was doing my A-levels, uh, O-levels and CSEs and all the usual things yes. and then got those, then sort of then went on to doing A-levels. But the badminton was getting better and better and better. And so by the time I was sort of 17, um, I was already like, I was number one, you know, pretty much by then as number one junior in the, in the country. Um, and again, quite a lot of publicity. But I was also very close to being, you know, I was number two, you know, uh, number two in seniors level. Yeah, really. And, uh, and then I was setting my sights on being... you start to see money coming in. Is that the thing? When you win these tournaments, there's actually money coming. Well, you go days, home with it or what? Uh, in those days, there was literally, uh, you know, hardly any money about, yes. really, to tell you the truth. And... and and any money that was coming in from, you know, to help me was through the Welsh Sports Council uh, via the Sports Aid Foundation. Really? Which was which was the main thing in those days. Yeah. So that's equivalent and now that, of Babington Wales, is it? Uh, well, you got no Sports Aid Foundation was a bit like lottery. Yeah. You know, so they, they had a, a load of money, and and they would look at sort of players and sort of say, well. This is really a you know a good potential player. We'll give him a little bit of extra funding, you know, and it was controlled that way. The Welsh badminton union was separate; uh, they had limited amount of money, and uh, but luckily, um, Maureen Hybart, who was the first uh, paid you know paid uh, administrator for Wales, uh, could see really what was going on and the potential you you know, with regards to where I was going. Yes. And uh, I was very lucky that she had the foresight to, to sort of see that uh, if I was given the help and, and certainly with the, the attitude and I who had. who did you work uh, for? Where did she come from? Um, I believe she lived down near Cowbridge yeah. and Penarth down know, in South But Cal- you don't know what, what was she, Babbington, Wales, what? Yes, she was the administrator for Wales. Uh, uh, Lyndon Williams's old job when Lyndon right. Williams was there. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so Lyndon more or less took over, I think, after she retired. Um, and so she had the foresight to see, you know, uh, that if you know if it could get a little bit of funding and help me a little bit, then you know that would progress badminton uh, in Wales. Yeah. Um, 
And so, so I was looking at sort of thinking, right, I'm number two in Wales. I've only now got to dispose of Howard Jennings and uh, Steve Gully, who were the top players at the time. And then um, everything changed. Everything changed with regards to uh, the level I thought I was going to get to. Yes. Uh, it changed because of one particular player. And it sort of changed the the standard that I had to start thinking about. Really? Um, and, and that was basically, uh, I was going to the Welsh squad sessions and, and I was starting to knock on the door beating uh, Howard Jennings and Steve Gully, who were the best players in Wales at the time. And I was getting very close to beating them and I'm thinking, right, okay, I'm nearly there, I'm nearly there. And then, then came along uh, a young player from... Uh, Malaysia called Yim Chong Lim, YC Lim, who owns YC Sports now in Cardiff. And he'd been part of the uh, Malaysian national badminton team. He's studying accountancy at Cardiff. And all of a sudden, he'd been in Cardiff for a few years, so he qualified to play for Wales. And the level that I was aiming at then was now has changed because YC was up there. Yes. Whereas I was looking at, I was looking at this. He was, he was on a totally different level, yeah. and he, he was one of the best players uh, in in Europe for a couple of years when he first, when he started playing, and so in a way, um, you know, f- through that, I mean, for, I played him in two national finals, uh, 77 and 70, uh, 70, 78 and seventy nine, yeah. and. In those two matches in the final of the national championships, I can count on my on my one hand how many times he hit a backhand. Really, yeah. I mean, his, foot, his footwork was phenomenal. His movement around the court was phenomenal, yeah. and he never played a backhand. You know, it was just an unusual thing. He's he Malaysian, um, you said. Yeah, Malaysian. Yeah, and so all of a sudden the bar, you know, which as I say went from there. Now it's up there. Uh, you know, if I want to. Mm. If I want to be the Welsh number one, I've, I've really now got to you've now, change You've got to be like a Malaysian number <laughs> It's Yeah. 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 So, uh, so uh, I was still being coached by Alan Tuggay, and um, I was going to Welsh squad sessions. Um, Where were they, though? Where did you go for them? Uh, Sophia Gardens in Cardiff. Right. Is, that uh, a long way? Is that a long way from home? Uh, in those days, about 45 minutes to an right. hour. Through the valley roads, but the the road structure is totally different now. So it'd only be about thirty minutes, forty minutes at most. Yeah. But in those days, it took about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. But again, um, I was lucky. There was a couple of boys uh, from Ebervale who who were part of the Welsh squad uh, who were in the grammar school. They were in the posh school, and um, I used to catch a lift with them really to go to the Welsh squad sessions. And how often? How um, often did they go? Uh, that was uh, once a week. That was uh, every Wednesday. Uh, we used to go down there for the Welsh squad. What age were you then, for? Uh, I was sort of sixteen, seventeen. So you're not finished school yet. You're still at school. Did you go? I'm still at school. Still at school. Yeah, yeah. And when did you play through the week? Then how many times did you say at that point when you were doing so well? How many times a week would you be on a court or playing? Yeah. I. I... I, I went from a situation where I was playing sort of Tuesdays and Fridays at the Abbeville Badminton Club. So I always had those two sessions. And then um, Welsh Badminton then hired a coach to come and coach me uh, three times a week on top of that in the mornings before I went to school. Um, they paid for a coach called Cedric Pushong, uh, who used to play for Surrey. Uh, had moved to Wales, and um, he was a quality player, uh, but also you know a very good coach. And uh, so I used to go and have coaching sessions with him at Ebervale Leisure Centre at six o'clock in the morning, and then uh, six o'clock in the morning have a session with him. We'd do singles and routines for about an hour and a half. Uh, go home, have a quick shower, then go to school. Wow. And. Uh, and, uh, and that's how it went a little bit for quite a while. And my progression was, you know, moving pretty quickly during what that period. What about sponsorships or anything like that? Did people approach you that? Did that happen? Or what, 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 and at what point was there people scouting about Carlton, uh, these kind of people? That, what? Uh, that didn't really happen, really. Didn't that? No, uh, that didn't happen. You mean we got free tracksuits, free kit from the Welsh 
you know, if you're part of the Gwent squad, really? uh, you got you you kicked through there. But there's no manufacturer coming to you. There's nobody chapping at your no, door no, from nothing, anybody. Nothing, nothing at that moment. Um, in 1978, I made a. I'd, I'd gone down to um, Surrey to, on a, a badminton course with Roger Mills, and um, basically, you know, saw another side of badminton uh, yes. a little bit. Another level, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd gone down there on a couple of uh, coaching schools, so summer schools, summer camps you? used to wow. do, and then saw you know a different level of badminton, and 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 then round about uh, seven. You know, 76, 77, I went and watched a triangular match between Denmark, Sweden, and England uh, juniors. And the juniors at that particular time were Morton Frost Hansen, Kevin Jolly, and uh, and it was a, a guy from Sweden called Bruno Wackfeld. Now, Morton Frost was on one level, Kevin Jolly was on another level, but this Bruno Wackfeld was on a totally different level to them as well. Really? Uh, he, he, you know, he beat those really easily. Really? And, wow. um, and and to watch it, we went up to Redditch to watch this match and uh, Barn Green. And and the, and the quality of the, uh, no, uh, in Redditch, you know, Redditch Sports Centre, and the quality of the badminton was just out of this world. And like everything, when you see things like that, you 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 get totally inspired. Yeah. And uh, that's what inspired, you know, was you know, got me going really. And sort of, I thought, right, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And then it was a question of, right, how do I actually make that happen? Yes, that's I'm, inter- I'm very interested in that. How did what was you what was you thinking? <laughs> Well, uh, I was going to the Welsh squad sessions down into Cardiff. Um, I got uh, pretty friendly with YC Lim. Uh, there was Peter Lim and there was Chung Sun Lu. So there's three Malaysians now who are all pretty good. Um, Chung Sun Lu was was very good. YC Lim was obviously on a you know really high level. But uh, I was going down there training hard, and YC Lim uh, sort of said, "Look." Um, you know, I've got a house, I've got a spare room. Do you want to come and live there? Really? Here? Wow. And, and basically train and play. Wow. So um, I got a I got a job at Sea Sports in Cowbridge Road in Cardiff, uh, working in a sports shop there, stringing rackets and just generally doing, um, you know, sports shop stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that was sort of, yeah, in 77, late 77, early 78. Uh, live with YC, and then we literally he would go studying at university, and I would meet him. So he was him, young. Uh, so he was he's... what twenties was he? He was in his twenties then. Um, but um, he would finish studying at the university, and I would meet him in the sports hall uh, with Chung Sun Lu and Peter Lim, and you know some of the stuff we were doing then was like it was mind blowing for me. Uh, you know certainly the footwork, footwork patterns. And and shadow badminton, we were doing lots and lots of shadow badminton, and uh, but also one of the things that uh, YC introduced me to was is thousand skips a day, ah. uh, a thousand skips a day, and I can honestly say <laughs> uh, this was uh, yeah quite painful process. That was good to get you know, to to start doing that to develop the calf muscles and uh, the power in the calf muscles and and also the thigh muscles. Yeah, it's a what a great yeah, it's great exercise. But it's and where had he learned? Do you know what? I mean, he's obviously in his twenties. Where he come over from Malaysia and he he trained up as a as a junior, I guess, up till twenty over there, right? Yeah, he he played in the in the Malaysian squad. Really? He was in the Malaysian really? squad, wow. and he came. But he came over to Cardiff to do study accountancy, and um, you know. Uh, but that that whole issue, even though I lost to him for the first twice in the national final, um, I had to change my whole way of how am I going to beat this guy? Yes. You know, and um, I was lucky enough to meet a guy called John Sayers, who was uh, in very much into visualization. What's that? And visualization, you know, uh, you picturing yourself performing, and uh, uh, picturing yourself performing. But also, you know, one of the problems with playing with YC was is that when he went around the head to smash, 
he could smash cross court straight. He could do a drop shot straight or cross court, and it was so difficult to uh, the deception, deception was so yeah. good. Yeah, the deception was so good. It was, you know, you you you, you commit to one side, he go that side. If you commit to that side, he go this yes. side. And so, I had to use this visualization uh, an awful lot to start picturing myself not only one getting the shuttle back you know, when he played these shots, but also how do I get these shots back so that he doesn't come straight in and bang and knock it on the floor from the net um, because he was so fast. So there was a number of issues around trying to, uh, right, okay, one is getting the shuttle back, but two, I can't get it back to where he thinks it's going to be. Yes. I'm going to put it somewhere else. Yes. You know, so... Um, Amazing. You've got to learn that deception I, and you've got to learn that to play that deception in your own game, right? In, into, in, yeah, yeah. in that motion, I've got a friend, um, Alan Evans, who's got just the, the best last-minute reaction. You know, he can he can smash, he can clear, he can drop, and you from there to there, you you wouldn't know what he's going to do. You know, from there yeah, to yeah. there, right? Yeah. You know, it's literally that motion of there's that much space between that and, you know, you'll be standing there, right, here's a smash coming in, or you'll be at the net, and he's, he's slow, 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 and just the, I think it's just forearm muscle. I think it's just muscle in the yeah, forearm yeah, yeah. that can just send it. But just, yeah, it's a different, entirely different thing to what, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, when you play with, um, and but interestingly, you were, the, you were the best player he was probably come up against as well. You know, he's come from Malaysia, the standard's been amazing, and he's come to Wales, right? So, you know, he's yeah, yeah. feeling the opposite yeah, yeah. of what you're feeling, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he was he was the big fish in a small boat yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, so, so um, playing against yeah. you was as good as it was going to get probably for him as well. In, in, Wales. in Wales at that particular time, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, yeah, again, um, you know, I've always been a firm believer that life is, you know, opportunities crop up yes. disguised in, in all sort of forms. Yes. And I've been on one or two of these courses, as I said, down to Surrey to Roger Mills. Is, and we'd had a couple of conversations that he said, if, if ever a job came up at the Surrey University in the sports science department or in the sports department, would you be interested? And um, I said, yeah, you know, if job any jobs come up, you know, let me know. Uh, and Roger was obviously one of the most respected coaches in the country at the time and coaching in the, you know, the likes of Billy Gilliland, uh, Kevin Jolly, stuff like that. And so it was amazing that uh, out of the blue, uh, I was living with YC and yeah, things were going great. And, um, you know, uh, after getting over the hurdle of also telling my mum that I was moving out and moving to Cardiff, you know, because uh, that wasn't easy either. Yeah, on her own, um, she brought you up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was, a, you know, it was a question of, okay, um, right. I had a phone call off Roger saying, um, I know you're going up to Scotland uh, to play the West of England under 21 championships in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, how are you getting up there? So I'm going by train, um, you know, coming. Uh, going by train, got to come into London and up from London up to Scotland in those days. Yeah. And he said, can we detour you to Guildford? There's a job going here. And I'm sure if you came to have the interview, there's a, a big chance you might get that job. Wow. <laughs> so uh, changed my plans a little bit, um, changed all the tickets, Made a detour, had the interview, went to the west of Scotland, or east of Scotland, uh, under-21s. I think I won that tournament, came back, did, went, went to Surrey, had the interview, came home, got a phone call. He said, actually, you've got the job, you can start. But then that created an even bigger um, dilemma, really. In now, um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there are players who, you know, been in the same situation, but uh, I, I knew nobody who had been in the situation. From my point of view, it was, I was probably the first one to be in that situation. Was um, I'm now thinking of leaving Wales yes. and playing badminton somewhere else. I'm not thinking of playing for another country or anything like that. Mind, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, is this a good opportunity or not? Yes. And this is where Maureen Hybart was fantastic and. Luckily, on the Sports Council for Wales at that particular time, who was involved with the funding of things, was Lynn Davis, the Olympic long jumper. 
and um, Gerald Williams, ex-rugby player, they were the sort of people in charge of funding and giving that funds for things like this. Sport Wales, is it? Sport Wales, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Sport Wales, yeah. And she, Maureen Ibar, I explained to her what the situation was. I said, it's, you know, from my point of view, I think it's a great opportunity to to be able to play badminton at an even better, that even level. higher level. Yes. Yeah, and, um, you know, so you're rich, she arranged a meeting with Lynn Davis, Gerald Williams. We had a good chat about it, and it, basically it was unanimous that whilst I was probably going to get some stick for leaving Wales, um, it was probably the best thing to do yes. uh, from a from a progression point of view for and yourself, from a learning point for yourself, yeah. Yes, for myself, yeah. And there was no intention, you know, ever. There was there was nothing, no intention either of not playing for Wales. It was the, the old intention was to get as good as I can yes. to play for Wales. Yes. Um, and uh, Lynn Davis and Joe Williams, they were totally unanimous with that sort of decision, and so they made it a bit easier. Yeah, and then I had to put some on my mum. Yeah, and, yeah. That's the that's the moving to Surrey. That's a big. I mean, Cardiff's one thing, but Surrey's a different animal, right? And uh, then to move away, yeah, that was uh, that 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 was massive. Yeah. So in '78, in sort of '78, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it was a big, big, big. So what age you there? About twenty or something? Uh eighteen. Really? Well, that's young. That is young. Yeah, yeah, my. I suppose my yeah. son's just went to university. That's the age that you do it, isn't it? And I often come back to the financial thing. I always are interested in how people make this big decision to turn to the finances and how they support themselves and stuff. But I suppose you remember that your peers are going to university. They're all everybody's skin to 18, 19, 20, 21. So you just think I'm just I'm yeah. just another skin bloke that's making ends meet, isn't it? Well, I um I was skin basically, but I knew I had a job that's to awesome, go to. Yeah. So what was the job? And, what were you doing? Um, what was your day to day when you got there? Uh, well, work Guildford. Uh, Guildford had a fantastic uh, sports science labor- laboratory, but also had a fantastic laboratory. sounds like someone off the Muppets. It sounds so serious. <laughs> laboratory <laughs> with chemicals. And stuff like this. They had a uh, an incredible fitness testing centre, um, you know, which was out of this world. I mean, it was so good that, you know, later on, uh, you know, further on, about five or six years later, Alan Wells and Margot Wells uh, came down here to to work as well uh, from Scotland. And, you know, uh, Alan Wells, the Olympic yeah, uh, sprinter. Yeah. And what and what was your, um, what, what was your job? I was a sports assistant within the sports centre. And, um, and, you know, basically uh, catering for the students that were in, within the university and uh, basically setting up the sports halls with trampolines, all that sort of stuff, then changing it around to badminton courts, then changing it around to basketball. But also uh, one of the things you had to do while you were there, you had to learn how to do coach other sports. So I, I um, did coaching courses for canoeing, trampolining and squash. Uh, badminton was obviously, uh, you know, whatever. So everybody who worked in the department had to specialise in different sports, and uh, so you could coach. And how did you? How did you get to play badminton at that point? Well, Roger Mills um, was obviously, you know, one of the best coaches in the country at the time. He um, basically was having players come to him from all over the country, basically, and from other countries. Mm-hmm. To play badminton uh, all yes. the time, and he and that's all he did. That's all he was doing was coaching badminton. And so I started working there. I would see Roger in the more. I mean, I moved into the local YMCA in Guildford. Yeah, that was the only place I yeah. could afford when I when I first moved there. Um, I used to have coaching sessions off Roger at six o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock until I worked. Um, and basically, he gave me those free of charge. And so, when I finished work, then, or when it was my days off, I would then play against his pupils yeah. in return yes. for that coaching. So, because he was having a lot of youngsters coming there, who were getting coaching. Because I say his reputation was second to none. So, I, I would get free coaching off him for helping That's him great. back by playing against. 
these other players. But in, in amongst all that, you had Billy Gilliland turning up, you had Karen Jolly turning up, you had Karen Bridge turning up, uh, Karen Batman, uh, God bless her, who's passed away now. Um, so you had players of, you know, standard very old. Yeah. Yeah. And did and did was there a club as um, such, or was it is it always was it through the day time badminton, and then you got home at night and you thought, what am I going to do? Or did you play badminton at night when you finished work? How well, was... I was I was just about to say I joined Wimbledon did badminton you? club. Yes, uh, I joined Wimbledon, uh, which is only about forty five minutes away, and so uh, I used to jump in a jump jump on a train and, and and go and play at Wimbledon badminton club with Duncan Bridge. With uh, Mark Elliott, uh, with uh, Karen uh, Bridge, I mean, some of the players were, you know, fantastic. There, uh, you know, it was one of the best clubs. Did you in hear the, the interview the with Jim Mailer? No, Jim Mailer's. No. Uh, he, he was a Scottish number one with Bruce Flocker for a long time. That I, 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 yeah, I they went toe to toe. But anyway, in his interview. Um, he would get, I can't remember, it was a linesman or an umpire or something like that that would, he had a friend that was a linesman, that's right, that lived in Wimbledon. And he would come down, he would get a nod that the Danes were coming over for a weekend, say, and he would jump on a train down from Scotland to Wimbledon and he would, you know, he'd stand yeah. on the side and it's Morton Frost would be there, say, oh, would you like a game or whatever? And he would just, you know, that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so he, yeah. was there, he was coming from Scotland for that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I had the most incredible uh, setup then, you know. Um, after about six, seven weeks, Roger said, look, why don't you come and live at my house? Uh, you know, you had a massive house and loads of room. Come and live at my house. Move out the YMCA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, get out of the YMCA. Was a bit, that was a bit, uh, yeah. That was yeah, bunk yeah, bun beds and all sorts, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. At, at that time as well. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I lived with Roger for a little while. And then, um, again, um, you know, one of those incredible scenarios where uh, a meeting with somebody changed my life yes. again, um, where I was, uh, I was working um, and I was upstairs. And I was talking to somebody and, and I just got this uh, tap on the shoulder and he goes, What's, what are you doing up here, you Welshman? And, uh, and it, it was a, a gentleman called uh, Major Gordon Richards, MBE. MB, and he turned around to me and said, what are, you, what are you doing up here from the valleys? I said, uh, oh, I'm trying to learn to play badminton and, you know, I'm not doing too bad. So so went through what I'd been doing and, he said, and you know, and I'll, I'll yeah, probably, I might get a few comments on this, but he said, oh, that poofed us, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I said. I said yes. That uh, that yeah. that sport. He said, uh, "All oh, right, okay." He said, uh, "So you he said, so do you think you fit?" I went, "Yeah, I think I am." Now, bearing in mind he trained special services, yeah. and also bearing in mind he trained Jim Fox, the Olympic gold medalist for modern pentathlon, Jeff Thompson, the world karate champion, uh, Robin Belcher was the world number one at K one. Um, so he said, do you think you fit? And I went, yeah. He said, okay, well, we'll see you tomorrow morning. So, uh, it was quite, I turned up at six yeah. o'clock again before work <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, went through this session with him with a couple of other guys who, uh, you know, extreme, extremely yeah. fit. He said, okay. He said, I got one rule. He said, you give, give us a hundred percent during the training sessions and uh we'll see how it goes really? so uh yeah so the training sessions were pretty brutal as you can imagine and um basically after about four or five days he said i've had a chat with the other athletes and uh he said you're very welcome to carry on joining really? join joining with us he knew i had to go to work after doing these sessions mike and uh, and obviously so i'm trying to marry up now the fitness with the technical side and as well to work. So and good you forget about going to work and, and work. yeah yeah so so there was a lot going on at this particular time but uh, he he then became he changed my did life he? Did he? Uh, at that point yeah and the uh, so what happened is after a period of time of doing this um, he lived very close to the university with his uh, wife 
And uh, you said, well, why don't you come and live with us? You know, because so, so yeah, no, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everyone, to take Everyone come to Scotland, come <laughs> live in people's, move to <laughs> Yeah. So uh, he, he goes, why don't you come and live with us? Everybody feels sorry for the Little boy from city. Wales in the valleys, yeah, quite right. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, uh, isn't he it? said, why don't you come and live with us? Uh, they didn't have any children or anything like that. And um, basically, uh, he became my mentor then. And um, had you never, you know, had, you never had the influence of physical coaching before, really? Is that your first proper influence of somebody saying, no, you need oh, to really bust say, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's a few a few guys in Scotland I've interviewed that that had that. Andy Cook I interviewed in Scotland, and he is that kind of coach. Yeah. He was, you know, uh, by his own admission, not an exceptional player, but he was hard. He's a performance coach. He would he would force people to be as fit, and that's Jim Mailer. That's what he said. He says I just wanted to be as fit as I possibly could be to run and yeah. run and cycle and lift the weights and just have you know have so i could wear somebody down on the badminton court that was my, that was his aim right to to be, to be fit enough to be able to go and go and go so when the other guy is falling over right yeah well gordon literally he came along to badminton and he studied it he said right he said i've looked i've worked out all the components of fitness you need you know um because that's what his forte was you know psychological and fitness but he looked at Batman and said, right, you need to be able to do these types of movements, dynamic movements, uh, reaction movements, all this sort of stuff. I mean, the stuff I was doing with Roger, I mean, not to say anything that I did with Roger was not whatever, but this was on a totally, this was very much more the physical, the physical side, side yes. but mental side. Yes. Mental side. Quite a lot well. of people I've interviewed have, uh, had, have had two of the same, have had two coaches at the same time of different influences so that have one, which is that, well, I suppose that's what they have now, right? You know, you have a physical performance coach and then you have a coach who's into the tech, technical side of the game. And, you know, you'd have different, yeah, yeah. nowadays they've got psychologists, they've got, you know, food nutritionists, they've got physio, they've got, you know, they've got, you know, at your fingertips, right? Five days a week, okay, what are you going to do today is you can do this or tomorrow you can do that. Or, you know, it's incredible, absolutely incredible what they've got on their fingertips now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, compared to you, kind of hacking yeah. you, hacking your way through it. So when by the time you finish, you're continuing to play badminton all of this time, I guess. And are you feeling the benefit of of the physical side from that for that workout? Those workouts. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, th I think what happened was that I mean, I had no contracts or anything still yes. at this point. What age were you um, now? What so, age was uh, this? I've, I've just turned. I've just turned right. nineteen right. now, and so. I've got to that point, and then um, but I've been playing at Wimbledon, and then the All England came along. All England came along. Yeah. Uh, got to go through the qualifying at yeah. Wimbledon, Did you? and the qualifying was never easy. You had to, you had to play three matches, and you know every match was harder than the next. So I managed to get through the uh, qualifying, and so uh, I'm going to make my first appearance at Wembley, Wembley Arena wow. uh, at the, the All England. Um, at, at the time, um, I had a, I had a sort of, I was using uh, Yonix equipment, uh, didn't really have a serious contract with them. Um, but, uh, they were brilliant. They, they made up a, uh, uh, the brightest red tracksuit with whales across the back of it you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. It was. And just just for the All England for me. Um, I mean, I wasn't being paid then. I, I didn't have any financial yes. help from them, but I got free equipment, free equipment basically. So I got to the All England. Um, it was drawn against uh, Ray Roth, Ray Rofe, who was a brilliant Kent player and, and also England player as well. Um, wasn't favourite to beat him, but I managed to beat him. And uh, so I got through that round, and then uh, the second round, I was then I met Andy right, Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy was the he, he, not a couple of years earlier he'd won the junior European Championships, which uh, I didn't go to because Wales weren't allowed to go to that one in Malta uh, because of the previous what well, some of the team team players had done at the previous European Championships. So I never went to a junior Europeans, but I played Andy Good. And 
that caught the eye of Kazandi was obviously one of the best England junior players yes. coming through at that time. And I was obviously like one of the best Welsh players who was coming through yeah. at that time. And it caught the eye of quite a few, you know, racket, racket manufacturers did that did. Um, I had a bit of a marathon match with him, and but I, I sort of managed to oh. overcome him. And then obviously the, 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 so the best present in the world then is that uh, I got to play Flaming Delves uh, in the last 16 uh, of the All wow. England uh, at that 1979. Was that a bigger, was that a bigger um, affair with a lot of fans, with a lot of people watching or not? Oh, was that? huge, huge. That was massive. The All England in those days is huge. And, and you know, once you progress through the rounds, you know, getting close to quarterfinals, the, 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 the stadium was, the arena was nearly full. Was it? Wow. And, and, it was, and then, you, and, I mean, they literally a busload of people came up from Wales to watch really? it. Uh, yeah, uh, coach load. So you can imagine me going on the court now. So I decided, uh, I didn't wear tracksuit bottoms, but I had this, Bright, 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 bright red tracksuit with whales splashed all over the back of it. I was so proud, and went on a court. And Fleming Delfs, obviously world champion, you seeded number one, I think, at that particular time. And uh, went up to the net, and I'm, I, I like a good grip. Yes. <laughs> uh, Fleming was not that way inclined, really? but uh, uh, but he but he sort of looked at me and goes, where's Wales? <laughs> where's where's oh, Wales? Where's... So, uh, but uh, it, it was an incredible experience, Amazing. you know. Uh, so uh, that was fantastic. I loved it. It was every minute of it. And like everything, Fleming had probably the best backhand in the world, um, by far. I mean, and he had such an incredible yeah. smash on his backhand side. And um, and while I was playing him in the first set, he, he never did one smash, and and he was like, "Oh, come on! I want you to smash! I want to see what it's like." It's and then, uh, you know, the, in the second set, he did a few smashes, and I never saw him. <laughs> you know, they just hit the deck, he was so bang, steep. and uh, he knew. Yeah. Like then he realised, you think that's why you're so good. That's just why yeah. so good. Yeah. Wow. I haven't asked you, you know what, we've been on for 50 minutes, right, and I haven't asked you a single question. I've asked your name. <laughs> I've, asked, I've asked your name. And I think I'm going to have to cut it short because I've got Peter Ferguson coming on at, uh, at, uh, at yes, five. So I'm going to yeah, come, yeah, we're going to have to come back at the same time next week. I suggest we come back again. Is that okay? Lovely. Great, great love, talking to you and give my regards. Yeah, lovely to speak to you too. I'll go and prepare for it. It's been great chatting to you. And next time, I promise to ask you some questions. It's, it's, it's meant to be the idea. That's great. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Phil. Cheers. Okay. Take care. Okay. Cheers.